0: Well, good morning, everyone. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor, and I'm so glad that you're able to tune in uh, this morning. Uh, So here's a fun question. Have you ever used one of these? Uh, Or have you ever seen anybody use one of these? When I was in college, I did an internship in Amarillo, Texas. And in Amarillo, there's uh, one kind of really big intersection, the two main roads through town. And every day, there was a guy who would set up camp at the intersection, and he would set up these two big boards, big plywood boards next to him. And on one, it said, turn or burn. And on the other, it said, Jesus saves. And then he would use one of these, and as the cars went by, he would yell at them different messages about Jesus, and about sin, and about heaven. And every time that I saw him, I would think, ah, like it just made like my skin crawl. Like this is not helpful. And why is that? Well, why is it that as like a fellow Christian, like as like, I guess, fellow preachers, why is it that I had such a hard time with what he was doing? And here's, what's interesting. It's not because I disagreed with what he said and I didn't listen to everything that he said, but the stuff that I did hear, there was a lot that I agreed with. I mean, he was saying that people have sin in their lives and that it would be better if they turned away from their sin. Uh, He was saying that there's heaven and hell and that you should choose to go to heaven and not go to hell. Uh, He was saying that ultimately the way in which we can be saved is through Jesus. Those are all good things, things that I agree with. The problem wasn't what he was saying, it's how he was saying it. Uh, Another time, uh, my uh, brother-in-law, he's a pastor as well, and he grew up uh, not uh, as a Christian, and his first time he ever encountered someone who claimed to be a Christian, he was at a fair, and he's like nine, 10 years old, and this guy kinda like motioned for him to come over, like, hey kid, come here, uh, hey, you wanna look in this box? And brother's like, yeah, I guess I'll look in your box, how creepy is that? And my brother went and the guy opened the box and inside there was a fake, human, dead head. And the guy gets started yelling at him like, that's going to be you someday. You're going to be dead. And do you know where you're going to go? You're going to be in heaven or hell when you die. I mean, how like weird and creepy is that? And again, it's, it's not necessarily that what he said was wrong. I mean, someday, I hope not for a very long time. My my brother-in-law will die and he will spend eternity somewhere. That's all true. The problem wasn't what he said, it was how he said it. Because here's what all of us know, is that it's possible to say something that is true, to say something that is right, to say something that we even believe is helpful, but the way in which we are saying it is so off-putting that it just, it comes off as wrong. Remember I read a marriage book once and it had this piece of advice that it's possible to be 100% right but yet be wrong at the top of your lungs. Have you ever experienced that? Where maybe it was a mom or a dad or a boss or a spouse, a friend, and someone like, I mean, looking back, you even kind of hate to admit that there was some truth in it and that they were right. Like, but like what they said, like might have had some truth, might have been right, but it would Offended you so much, not because it was true or right, but it's because they said it in such a angry, judgmental, mean, off-putting way. And isn't that so, like, true sometimes of churches? And so, what what we've wanted to do as a church, kind of one of the big heartbeats of our church for the last seven years, is that we want to be a church that talks about truth. We want to talk about things that are biblical, and we don't want to be afraid to talk about things that might be controversial. Uh, we don't want to be afraid to, you know, push people to take next steps, even if they're difficult next steps. Uh, we don't want to be afraid to encourage people to be countercultural, but we want to portray those truthful, right messages in a way that are just so full of love and grace that people want to actually listen. If you've been with us for a time, uh, what we've said is that what we wanna be is we wanna be bridge builders. Uh, And I don't know much really about how you build a bridge. Uh, but a couple times I've seen pictures, or you know, been past a construction site where they're building a bridge. There's usually kind of seems like multiple steps to be able to get the bridge built. You know, so when they start, you know, they might just have you know a couple big pilings up, and they'll sometimes they'll start by just putting string back and forth ac- across, uh, and then after they get you know the string and make sure everything's straight, then they might put some boards across, then they might put some more boards across, uh, and then they might eventually put steel on top, and then they might put concrete, and with each each layer, as the bridge gets stronger and stronger and stronger, you can put more weight on that bridge. I mean, when the strings are just going across, I mean, you might be able to get, paper airplane or something across it but not much more. Uh, Once you get the boards up there, I mean you might be able to have people walking back and forth. uh, Once the cement, uh, once the steel gets on there, eventually you're gonna be able to drive multiple semis full of stuff over that bridge. But the bridge has to keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And what we want to do when we think about our friends and neighbors who uh, we would love for them to know more about Jesus as we think about uh, ourselves or other people that just need to know some more truth, maybe be pushed in a better direction in life, we wanna do that, but we wanna build a bridge that's strong enough to hold the weight. We wanna make sure that we can, before we push that truth across, that the bridge can hold that amount of weight. And the reason why we do that is not just because we thought it would be like a, a fun thing to do, It's because that's the way that Christianity has been done for 2,000 years. Uh, We've been looking the last uh, couple of months now at an ancient letter uh, called 1 Corinthians. It was written by a guy named Paul to the city called Corinth. And Paul was a guy who was a Christian. He was one of the very first Christians, and Jesus absolutely changed his life, and uh, he wanted everything everyone else to have their life changed in the same way. It was just such a powerful thing uh, what Jesus had done for him and following Jesus was such an amazing way to live. He wanted everyone to know. And so he started traveling around to all these different cities telling them about Jesus and one day he showed up in the city called Corinth where no one had even ever heard of the name of Jesus before and he wanted them to know the truth of Jesus. And how was he gonna do that? Uh, Here's what uh, it says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. And this is what Paul did in Corinth, and this is what Paul did in cities all over the known world 2,000 years ago to spread the truth about the love of Jesus. He says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak." Uh, So Paul would show up in these cities, Corinth and other cities. And oftentimes what he would find is that there would be at least a, a couple different groups in, this, in these cities. And oftentimes, there was a group of Jewish people. Uh, and Paul very much understood this world. He, he grew up in a Jewish world. Uh, he, he was gonna be a Jewish leader uh, someday. I mean, he knew all about the Jewish rules. And so the Jewish people, they were all about following a very set group of rules, starting with Moses and the 10 commandments, but then 613 other rules. The Jews had all kinds of rules that they needed to follow. And they encompassed really every section of your life. I mean, there was rules about, you know, how you had to have your hair and the clothes that you could wear and the, things that you could eat and the things that you couldn't eat and the uh, places you were supposed to go and not go. You know, there was just so many rules of how you were supposed to live your life. And so Paul would present to this group of Jewish people who believed that it was imperative that you follow all of these rules if you wanted to be right with God. Uh, And Paul didn't believe that anymore. Uh, Paul believed that with the message of Jesus, that we don't, earn God's love for us, that we don't earn God's salvation, that it's not about the things that we do, but it's all about what Jesus has already done for us. And therefore we don't need to follow all those rules anymore. And Paul absolutely believed that. But what Paul also knew, is that if I go in and start talking to this Jewish group of people and you know I'm walking in you know wearing you know whatever kind of you know mixed fibered clothes you know if I'm eating a bacon sandwich and uh, if I'm going out and doing lots of work on the Sabbath I'm going to offend them so much they're never going to listen to what I'm going to say because those rules are so important to them. Uh, I'll tell you how far this went. Uh, There was a a traveling companion, a fellow preacher of Paul named Timothy. And Paul and Timothy were going to go to a village where Paul knew there was going to be a lot of very Orthodox Jewish people who these rules were very, very important. And Timothy was going to come with, but Timothy uh, wasn't Jewish, or he's kind of half Jewish, and he wasn't circumcised yet. So Paul said, Hey, it's going to be a big deal to them that you're not circumcised. And like, no matter what else we say, no matter how good, no matter how true it is, like they're just not gonna be able to get past that. And so would you consider getting circumcised, even though you don't have to, just so that they'll better hear the message that we want to present, and Timothy did it. Uh, I'll tell you an example of this from my own life where uh, I actually uh, blew it, uh, where I, I didn't do a good job of this. Uh, my first uh, kind of full-time ministry job I was 22 years old and I was the youth minister at a church and uh, while I was youth minister uh, I had a friend who lived in New York City and I went to go visit him for the weekend and we got this crazy idea that while we were down in New York City that we were both gonna get piercings and so he got his lip pierced which looked like I hurt a whole lot and I got my eyebrow pierced I just thought it was, I was 22 and I just thought it would be cool uh, and came back and went to work uh, and came to church the next Sunday uh, doing my job as a minister. And there was some of the parents in the church that were just so off-put that this minister would have an eyebrow ring. And they just thought that was horrible. And they were, you know, threatening, and some of them did, take their kids out of the ministry because they just thought that that was just not okay and not right. And I mean, I, I had every right. It's, it's fine biblically if you want to get an eyebrow ring if you want. But was it worth it to have this stupid thing in my eye if it was going to make some kids not be able to hear about the message of Jesus? And Paul said, hey, when when I went and spoke to groups that were more conservative, when I went to spoke to groups that had more rules, I followed their rules even though I didn't have to. And I don't know what that might look like for you, uh, maybe for some of you it's when you go home to uh, your parents house and There's rules that they want you to follow that you think Man, I, I don't have to follow your rules but by following them it might help you to be able to have a better message to uh, a Platform to be able to share the love of Jesus Maybe it's with uh, a sibling. Maybe it's with a co-worker um, maybe and crazy times of COVID-19. Maybe it's taking extra precautions of, you know, wearing a a mask all the time, even if you're big distances away. Uh, Maybe it's taking extra precautions to wash your hands even more, to get tested, to do whatever you can to help follow rules that are going to make people feel as comfortable as possible. Uh, Then on the other side, uh, another group that would often be in these, places that Paul would go was uh, the Gentiles. And the, uh, the Gentiles, uh, this kind of Greek and Roman audience, did not have all of the Jewish rules, uh, especially they didn't have as many rules when it came to what you could wear. Uh, so they would often wear, you know, not head coverings. They, uh, women would wear jewelry. Uh, men would have longer hair. Uh, they didn't have rules about what you could eat. And so, you know, they're eating all kinds of food with uh, meat with blood in it and pork and all kinds of stuff. Didn't have as many rules about what you could drink and not drink, and so oftentimes you can imagine that in these Gentile audiences, it's just like a much more kind of like crazy, rowdy kind of party bunch. Uh, I think maybe one of the biggest kind of indicators of this, and this isn't even necessarily a, a Gentile audience, but you often saw this when Jesus was on earth, is that you had the religious leaders, and the kind of the more religious you were, the the kind of the more holy you were supposed to live all of the time uh, which is a good thing. Uh, And then you had other people that were the sinners. And there was this thought that if you're like on the the holy righteous side, then you're supposed to spend as little time with kind of the sinners as possible. Uh, And I get that. I said before, I grew up in a youth group and we had a motto that we don't drink, swear, or chew or go with girls who do. Uh, You know, so there's things that you're not supposed to do, bad things, and you're supposed to stay away from those things yourself. But you're not even supposed to spend time with people. You're not even supposed to go to those kind of places and one of the regular critiques of the religious leaders of Jesus was that he was always hanging out with people that drank and swore and chew and he was always going to the parties Uh, and they called him a friend of sinners and they called him a a, a drunkard Uh, and the idea was that Jesus wasn't just at these parties but he was like enjoying himself I mean he was on the dance floor he was eating the food he was having the drinks he he was spending Important time with these people and Paul said man what when I was with the the Gentiles like I went to their parties too uh, I went and spent time with them doing the things that they were doing uh, again this like obviously had limits uh, Jesus wasn't getting like trashed with people we know that Uh, Paul in Corinth wasn't going off with people to the pagan temples and, you know, sleeping with temple prostitutes. You know, there was uh, obviously lines here, but there were things that like maybe sometimes religious people make as things that are essential that really aren't at all that are fine for us. We have the freedom to do. And Paul said, when I'm with them, uh, I went and I, I enjoyed that freedom so that I could build a relationship with them and win them. Uh, an example of that, for me, uh, when Ash and I got married, uh, we lived in an apartment complex, and it was an apartment complex where kinda, you kind had like shared hallway, and so like, our uh, our door and our neighbor's door were like, in the same hallway. And uh, we got to know them uh, a little bit, and I noticed that every Sunday night they would have just all kinds of people that would come over to their apartment, and it was just loud and rowdy, and they were just having a big party over there. And I thought I asked him, I was like, what's going on there Sunday night? I see you guys having all these friends over and he's like, oh, he had found out I was a pastor. And that's always weird. People treat you weird when they find out that you're a pastor. And uh, he was like, yeah, we we do this like, you know, poker night and uh, we we come over and eat food and have drinks. And, you know, I'm sorry if we were, you know, being too loud for you guys. And I was like, actually, like. I would love to come over some Sunday night. I mean, I don't want to like impose, but like if you're ever looking for like an extra player, like I would love to come over and play. Uh, and part of that, you know, full disclosure, is because I really do like to play cards. But I also knew that that would be the best way for me to build a relationship with him. Uh, me just cold inviting him to church. Uh, We had a small group that met in uh, our living room. And to make that the first invite, I mean, we would probably eventually get there. But me going into his world with his friends was going to open the door where we could have bigger and better conversations later on. And that's been what we've been trying to do as a church for seven years now. Uh, Here's how Paul uh, ends uh, this part. He says, "I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings." Says so that like, when it comes to helping people understand who Jesus is, like I, I'm willing to like get out of my comfort zone. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be able to help reach people to build. Bridges to folks and that's what we want to do And again, this isn't a new thing in uh, Christianity uh, You might have heard the term missionary before and uh, all around the world uh, There's folks who will move into villages that they've never been to before and they will try to share the message of Jesus And oftentimes what they will do when they go to these villages is They don't come in and just start like you know yelling at people about Jesus They will come in and they will take a lot of time. Uh, They will learn the language, because if you start telling them about Jesus in English and they don't know English, that's not gonna be very effective. Uh, They will learn the customs, uh, they will learn the habits, they will learn the food that they eat, the clothes that they wear, and then often they will change a lot about themselves, give up some of their own customs and habits to eat their foods, to, to wear their clothes, to live in the kind of housing that they live in, so that they can Build a bigger relationship so they have a better kind of bridge to be able to share about Jesus. And that's what we want to do. Uh, we've used a, an acronym before that uh, we stole from a guy named uh, Richard Foster and, uh, sorry, um, Michael Frost uh, is the guy who uh, came up with this. And, and we call it uh, the, this, the BLESS acronym. That what we want to do is we want to bless the people around us. Uh, and what it stands for is that we want to first begin with prayer. Uh, just start praying for the people in our lives, uh, praying for your neighbors, praying for your friends, uh, praying for your family. Uh, and then we want to listen to them. Listen to what's going on in their life. Uh, listen to how things are. Uh, and then we want to find ways to eat with them, which is a little harder uh, in COVID, but it's still possible if you're creative. Then we want to find ways to serve them. And then finally, We want to look for ways that we can share our story of how jesus has changed our life and so almost 11 years ago now ashlyn and i moved into the city of albany and uh, we loved jesus and we loved our church and uh, we knew that most of our neighbors and friends that we were making uh, were not all that interested in going to church or really hadn't been presented with a very compelling uh, message of jesus before And so I was trying to figure out how we would start. So we just started walking around our neighborhood and praying, and uh, we found out that there was a neighborhood association, and the neighborhood association was having a meeting soon. Uh, So I went to the meeting, and uh, they had a point in the meeting where anyone could present kind of anything that uh, was going on in the neighborhood. And so I could, have used that as a chance to stand up and present truth. You know, I could have said, Yeah, I got something to tell you guys. Here's what the Bible says, and here's what the Bible says about sin and heaven and hell. And, you know, who of you today wants to become a Christian? Who wants Jesus to save you? And I'm guessing that wouldn't have been very effective. But instead, I just sat back and I listened. And at one point, as we were listening and eating food uh, together, Someone mentioned that they had a couple events coming up and what they really needed was uh, so, you know, they needed some tables, they needed a sound system, uh, they needed some supplies. Uh, and so I raised my hand and said, hey, I, I think that uh, the organization I work for was another church at the time, I think I could probably get you some free tables. I could probably get you a sound system. And so I helped out with the first event. And then at that event, we were talking a little bit more about some other things that we could do. And it was like, hey, what else can you you know, get your hands on as far as equipment? I was like, hey, we actually have a movie screen uh, at my church. And so maybe I could bring uh, the movie screen and we could do a community movie night. And so we set up on the lawn of Sage College uh, almost eight years ago now for the very first movie night that we, you know, officially unofficially did as a church we weren't really a church at that point uh, but we did it and as we were setting up tables for those events as we were setting up the movie night it gave me amazing chances to share my story here's why our church has this equipment here's why our church wants to be a part of community things like this here's why my wife and i are living in this neighborhood and what we're dreaming about and how we think that man if Jesus' love was in more people, it could just change everything in our world. And I love what Paul says is I did all of this not to like I, the hope was to save everybody. But Paul says, I did all this to save some. And that's what we found over seven years, is we're just praying and listening and eating and serving and sharing our story. And we're saving some. We're winning some. Some people are starting to listen to the message and we're going to keep on going. We're going to keep building these bridges because there's so many more people that want to know. And we're going to present truth to them. We're going to help them take next steps. We're going to present truth to you. We're going to help you take next steps. And I hope you present truth to me and that you help me take next steps, but we're going to do it in a way that is not angry or judgmental. We're going to build bridges. And again, the reason why we do that is not just because that's what Paul did, it's because that's what Christians have been doing for 2,000 years, and it's because that's what Jesus did. In John chapter one, uh, John, who was a follower of Jesus, said that this is what Jesus did, is that Jesus gave up his rights living in heaven and he came down to earth. Uh, the way that the message version translates it is that jesus literally moved in to the neighborhood jesus gave up all the trappings of heaven to come down and live in our neighborhood to eat our food to spend time with us to listen to us to serve us and then to share the story about how much he loves us (coughs) Uh, and that's what we celebrate when we take And so today, would you take communion with me uh, as we take uh, the bread together, Uh, and as we take uh, the juice, Uh, let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we love you. We thank you for coming down to earth, we think of so many people that need to hear about your love. Help us not to push too much over that bridge too quickly. Help us to take the time to build strong relational bridges, to even give up our own comforts, to maybe be in situations that are a little bit uncomfortable for us, uh, to maybe take on rules and regulations that maybe we don't feel like we we need to, so that we have the opportunity to share your love with others. Let me pray. Amen. Uh, Thanks guys, Uh, I'll see you next week.